I was thinking I need to get like a bed for George up here. And we've got a little scratching post for him that he doesn't use. Like he doesn't fucking touch it. Every <laughs> once in a while, he'll walk over to it and just like scratch it once. But it's not like an active thing that he uses. But the, the top of it is about desk height for me up here. So I was thinking, I'm like, oh, we should bring your little scratching post up here. And then as I said that, he bit me. And I'm like, ow, what the oh. fuck? <laughs> oh, dick. Uh, so, okay, are we are we on the hook for a oops, no bullshit episode today? I think we better be. Even though okay. I started a little bit earlier than we planned, we might as well, just to make sure we get it in, because we got another hard out, uh, as we sometimes do during this, these weekly this episodes. This time it's your hard out, and now George is literally playing with a Ziploc bag of metal <laughs> brackets for a fucking uh, curtain. Yeah, fun. Anyway. Bag, you, bag yeah. of metal. You remember when we used to play with Ziploc bags of metal? <laughs> so should we get going? Yeah, yeah, let's do All it. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. <laughs> it's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 5, Vow of Silence, not Season 8, Episode 6, which is what HBO Max thought, or I'm sorry, Max thought I was on when I just selected the next episode from the keep watching section of my home menu on Max, and it decided to start playing. Now I have to go back a page. Uh, it decided to start playing The Hero, which is season eight, episode <laughs> six, but it, which I didn't realize until literally like five minutes before we were supposed to record this episode last week. And I was like, hey, Ted, I watched episode six for some reason and totally skipped over episode five. I remember what I was doing. I was, I don't know how I realized it. Oh, I know. I was, I was like, oh, what episode did I just watch? And I just Googled like Curb season eight episodes and it gives you the whole list. And I was like, there it is. And the hero. I was like, wait, Vow of Silence. I don't recognize that. And I was like, oh, (laughs) son of a bitch. And at least I realized it before we got all the way through up to here last week. And I said, and today we will be watching season eight, episode six, the hero. And you would go. What the um, fuck? <laughs> what? Although that would have been very funny because I would have said, let's just keep going with the episode because you can you, you can describe to me next episode and I can describe to you this episode. That'd actually be very funny. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather, but I'm such a completist. Get, get, uh, get two weeks out of one record. That's true. Although I think it would have been just been funny to release just that like two minute episode of <laughs> bullshit up till the mistake and then go, all right, so we'll be back next week with the actual real with life. The actual um, episode. Yeah, actual so, episode. Yeah. So any, bo- any delay in our, our release schedule is, uh, is due to this. But also, I mean, we're both so incredibly fucking busy for yeah. end of September and through October. Uh, and so I, I was going to pitch to you like taking a week or so off anyway, but like, man. December, you know, the holidays are coming. And so yeah. I know there's going to be plenty of times when we're out of town or just busy or whatever. Uh, so we'll save, you know, save our weeks off for, for when everyone's really taking weeks off. All but, right. Um, I, so, I know October, I've got fucking four remotes and uh, a bunch of other shit going on. Well, you know I mean, me, I'm always up or taking a week off. I, I, okay. never, I never mind, <laughs> so this shouldn't uh, interrupt yeah. or make, you know, or stress you out any more than normal amounts of stress. <laughs> if, it, if you get into the, you know, anywhere out of the normal uh, bell curve of stress. Yeah, but, we'll, uh, we'll touch on it when we get there. But what is the deal with stuff from our, and I still don't know why Max decided to skip over episode five i have no idea why i did not watch it it shows as completed i i turned off my chromecast so i didn't you know it didn't keep uh keep streaming while my tv was off it wouldn't do that anyway because when i turn the tv off you know chromecast recognizes that yeah Yeah, i i don't know why it skipped the episode Uh, i wish i could figure it out but so what is the deal with stuff from our last episode season eight episode four the smiley face we just kind of kind of wanted to know a little bit about emoticons and emojis and the status of their use. It's, it's been so long since we watched the last episode that I, I, I don't know what we were talking about. In 2011, uh, of course, Larry's new uh, love interest uses the smiley face emoticon in, a, in her text messages to Larry, which makes him feel uncomfortable because it makes him feel like he's texting with a little girl, even though we've seen him enjoy that very activity. Yes, uh, earlier, yes, he has. Yeah, <laughs> or late last season. So, um, I was I was interested to know. We know the creator of the emoticon, a computer scientist named Scott Fallman, who proposed what he called smileys at the time, and that was colon dash parentheses 
I'm sorry, colon dash close parentheses or colon dash open parentheses in a message on a bulletin board system of Carnegie Mellon University. So yet another thing born in Pittsburgh was the emoticon. Uh, and it, they go back to 1982. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. yeah. And he proposed people use them to differentiate jokes from non-jokes, kind of like the slash S you might see on Reddit when someone says you know, something that is not completely obviously sarcasm as if anything could be you know that you read could be denoted sarcasm without the slash s these days and as uh, text messaging and the internet became more widespread in the late 90s emoticons became increasingly popular and were commonly used in texting and internet forums and emails today over 90 percent of the world's online population uses emojis or emoticons a researcher at stanford surveyed the emoticons used in 4 million Twitter messages and found that the smiling emoticon without the hyphen nose was much more common than the original version with the hyphen. So Larry's um, you know, waitress or hostess girlfriend was very much on trend <laughs> using only the colon and close parentheses there. I don't um, think I ever used a hyphen nose whenever I was using emoticons pre, uh, pre the emoji days. I know. I, I probably didn't either, although I'll say they look better. I always like, and sometimes when you can use the carrot, too, as a nose, you know, the six, the uh, shift and six button, uh, I always liked using that oh, as, uh, yeah. like, a pointy nose. Okay, yeah. okay. But, but, I, but, you know, who has the time? You know, we're using this because we're in a hurry, so you True. really only have, you don't have time to put a nose every time. I found out that someone actually copyrighted emoticons. The Lufrani family established the Smiley Company in 1996, and they held the copyright. I think they do still hold the copyright in over 100 countries oh my for God, the really? Smiley Emoticon. <laughs> yeah, and they developed not, not for emojis, but for the Smiley Emoticon. Right. Yeah, it's just weird to me that someone could copyright that, but it, it makes sense, I guess. Um, and Nicholas Lufrani developed hundreds of different emoticons, including 3D versions, and his designs were registered at the U.S. Copyright Office in 97 and appeared in uh, as GIF files in 98. And those were the first graphical representations of the originally text-based emoticons, and he published them in an online smiley dictionary in the early 2000s. <laughs> and he even released a plugin that you could use on message boards. So this is kind of like the first Unicode emoji keyboard that we all, it was like kind of the first, I mean, it kind of sucks that he, you know, copy wrote a, you know, something that a lot of people were using and tried to make money off of something that was obviously belonged to the people. But it also sort of brought it all into one, like one accepted version you know so yeah, every so yeah. just like emojis are today like the android one may not look exactly like the apple one but they're all decided on like this is this is what this symbol means to every computer uh, no matter where you are and so that first dictionary contained over 3000 different smileys and was published as a book in 2002 which is also something hilariously early 2000s like it reminds me of when twitter was first a thing and comedians were just publishing their tweets in book form and people were buying them it was like, uh, yeah, well, I don't know what to do with this stuff. Let's just try to make more money off of it. And uh, and so that original computer scientist, Scott Fallman, says that he sees emojis as the remote descendants of this thing I did. Um, not that he you know has any claim to you know any money or anything like that, but he's like, yeah, there's a there's a straight line as I think anybody which, would agree. Yeah, which from I, emoticons, I, I yeah. totally agree with. But emoticons were so widely used by 2011, and e even on the way out. There's no real literature or analysis of them after that dictionary was published in 2002. It's almost like that closed the chapter. Like, all right, we're not going to do this anymore. We can print them all in a book and then be done with them. Oh, like, that's, yeah, yeah that's a shame. Because <laughs> I, I, I would honestly love to know, like, the era of, or even, like, what the guy was thinking as emojis are starting to, like, be, like, automatically populated on to smartphones. You know, like, that 2007 to i'll even go as late as say like 20 2007 to 2012 era yeah i i wish i knew and and even i you know what i just realized i have an emoticon keyboard on my android phone do you still have that if an you go emoticon to, keyboard i have an emoticon keyboard so if you go to where like the little smiley face next to the space bar where you get your emojis there's the sideways classic scott fallman smiley face with the colon dash close parentheses and i have all sorts of ascii maybe even the full 3000 i probably even have more than 3000 because i have all of the table flips i have look of disapproval i have crying i have nervous what? i have people pointing 
I have dancing emoticons. So the ones that are like kind of moving their arms uh, back and forth. I have surprised emoticons. I have all the animals. I have Damn. flexing. Here, no, let me send you a flexing emoticon. I could I do have this. Any of these? I don't know why what I the have fuck? this. <laughs> but I have some. Let me send you some. Here, here's I a only, hugging. I only have emoji since I oh, since I uh, updated to an iPhone a couple of years ago. Oh, that's right. Oh I can my send. God. This makes me feel like I'm on fucking 4chan, <laughs> and I do not like it. Well, you know what that makes me feel like? Table flipping, which I just I sent you a table flip. So much. I have about oh 100. <laughs> I have about 100 variations of the table flip. Here's a guy who's like, oh, he's putting the table back. There we go. <laughs> So I, I totally just, as we're talking about this, remembered that this is all the way down at the end of my of my little keyboard options here, and I can send send you a lot of. I'll just I'm gonna respond only to your texts in emoticons now instead of because I think I've I've used all these Seinfeld and Curb gifts that I can for yes or okay or even no maybe. Um, so there we go. <laughs> so the first American company to take emojis seriously was Google, and that was as early as 2007, and they first introduced emoji in Gmail in October of 2008. The emoji application for iOS, which altered the settings app to allow access to the emoji keyboard, was created in February of 2010. So again, a year before this episode aired, uh, maybe even more than that, like a year and a half before this episode aired, emojis were on the iPhone. I don't know about the BlackBerry, that's what uh, Larry uses, but they were at least an iOS thing. By the way, in, uh, I, I don't know, I guess this is just a sign of the times, on September 23rd of 2021, Scott Fallman held an auction for the original emoticons he created in 1982 in Dallas, Texas. He sold the two designs as NFTs. Oh, motherfucker. For $273,500. I venture to say they probably aren't worth a tenth of that today. I mean, you know what? Good on him for getting the bag. Oh, like, yeah. Why not? I, I, don't, I don't blame him for cashing yeah. in when the trend was hot, but it's just... Yeah, I, why I, not? I saw a uh, Bored Ape Yacht Club graphic tee at Walmart the other day. <laughs> That's awesome. how far NFTs have come, Tim. <laughs> well, yeah, there was the article that came out this, this month that was like, all the NFTs are worthless now. So that's all of the homework we had from this episode. Uh, uh, here's some other trivia and tidbits. I was thinking about, you know, taking a screenshot or a picture or something and trying to catalog all of the books that Larry has visible behind him in his office. I did not do that, but I'm glad someone did and noticed that there is a book written, written by Susie Essman on the shelf in Larry's office. Of course, Susie Essman plays Susie Green, so kind of a meta moment there uh, and a bit of an Easter egg. If you, uh, you know, did the legwork, but luckily you don't have to now because we just did for you. We read someone else's trivia entry on IMDb <laughs> and say goodbye, Ted. This episode was the last appearance of Antoinette. I guess it was so egregious oh, man. that she missed her father's last moments on Earth that really she is no longer Larry's assistant. Does yeah. her mom stick around? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, she boo. definitely wasn't in this one, and it would—I think it would have been kind of a feat. Maybe you know, she's not busy. She might have been. She might have been up for like kind of a low-effort gig like this. But you know, it was the famous Joanne Worley from Laugh-In who played Larry's, you know, assistant's mom. So she, you know, not a she. She was kind of a you know Hollywood icon. But I, like I said, probably would have been up for like, yeah, can you show up one day out of? every two or three weeks to do a little thing she probably would have been up for that but no i don't i don't think so um i don't know who larry's new assistant is i don't remember goodbye antoinette we hardly knew ye and uh i don't know if you want to count this under curb your continuity i guess it is a little weird but it doesn't have to do anything with the the world building that they do within the show being uh fluid but in the breakup scene in real time the large clock in the background goes from 255 to 405 in less than two screen minutes so you kind of get a little insight onto how long it takes them to actually film uh that that scene out by the pool where she's breaking up with them i didn't notice a clock but there you go and that is it all right well uh do we have any news or anything that we got to cover because we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks i know i can't think of anything okay. so uh, yeah i don't think so all right uh, any any other continuity to discuss no not that i not that i caught all right, cool. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 
23 minutes being a lot of uh, a lot of bullshit on our uh, oops no bullshit episode we, we cannot help ourselves sometimes <laughs> uh, i've never seen these episodes before tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 12 years if we miss anything if we egregiously skip over anything please send us an email or send us a tweet is at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Uh, If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. Uh, It really does help us out. Helps us find additional weirdos that like to hear other weirdos talk about Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld and other loosely related and sometimes not even related at all topics or shows (laughs) if you like us a lot you've listened to us a couple of episodes you're like i really like these guys i want to throw them some of my hard-earned money good news you can do that over at patreon.com slash no hugging where for five bucks a month you can join the it's a hyundai tier and get early and extended access to every single episode that we come out with and uh i mean extended by extended and uh, <laughs> for your pleasure it is extended for your pl- for your oral pleasure a-u-r-a-l right. uh puns I, I i i hate puns have i ever i've told you that right no i mean not, and i've probably not, made thousands no i mean not like I, your puns like most of the time hit like y- your puns are good, but like I work with a couple of people that are just like like a Christian parent level pun, and I'm like, <sighs> yeah, I try to hold myself to a high pun standard. I think my you've got a good pun to miss ratio, <laughs> and I-, I think my I get the same feedback from my current coworkers too. That you know, it's never they're never they never groan. They're always like, yeah. wow, that was. That's you know, and, and I won't say I won't say they'll laugh either. It's always like, a, "Wow, that was very creative." Can we please get back to the meeting? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I never find myself like groan. If I do groan, I'm never groaning too hard at your yeah. puns. But like, anytime anyone at work makes a pun, I'm like, <laughs> I would rather be dead than exist in this scenario for one second longer. <laughs> it is one of the it is one of the lowest forms of comedy, but it's one of the ones I I happen to be good at, which says a lot, I think. So, <laughs> a lot about me. <laughs> so I'll I'll just play to my strengths. Um <laughs> what, what was I saying? Um oh, that's right. Uh patreon.com slash no hugging, uh extended episodes, yada yada yada. Uh patreon.com slash no hugging. Do it. Sign up. All of that being oh, said. Wait. Do you want to talk about how people can also help us out now and you can also be on the path to an amazing hobby like we are like we have That's been for right. two almost 250 episodes That's next week right. is our 250th yeah do, do you want to talk about it or do, sure. or do you want me to talk about it you're the one who signed up for it if you want to start a podcast we highly recommend libsyn we do everything on libsyn we're recording this right now using libsyn and it uh it has served us very well so much better than other services that we used to use to record this podcast and if you go to libsyn and sign up to you know for any libsyn plan use the code hugging and it will it'll really help us out yeah Uh, so go to yeah libsyn.com and use the promo code hugging yeah and this is a real promo code as opposed to like fake (laughs) ones that we've thrown out in the past this is a very real promo code yeah and i was so (laughs) your boys are on that promo code game once again (laughs) I was so upset that no <laughs> hugging was too long to be a promo code. I was like, we say that no hugging is our promo code on every fake website. Everything, everything. And now we can't use it now that we have a real one. So maybe that's the way you know it's real. When we say no hugging. It, um, mean, it means no, this is fake. Yeah. When we but, say hugging, we are hugging you. We are embracing you with a deal. Yeah, use the promo code hugging and get your Libsyn podcast started today and maybe you listen to us and you go oh man i could be you know such a better i could do so much better than those guys do listen to how much murphy like stammers and he was in radio for so long um I, nah, i'm gonna start I, my own I, podcast I, I, I cut a lot of that shit out anyway you're good don't worry about it though. yeah same i think about that every time i because i cut I, I must cut even more out because, oh yeah um, oh yeah 
Well, you, because uh, I'm the one who does the cuts for the Patreon episode, yeah. and and there, there's a lot that gets cut out before we even release the version on Patreon. It's mostly um and uh and like one of us will always like right but it's just stuff like that and then you cut that down for the free feed yeah i I always think like people who don't pay for our podcast most think i'm very erudite and i get my thoughts out in a (laughs) in a in a good manner see i can't even think of a you know and the people who pay for the podcast think man this guy this guy's a fucking moron yeah he is an idiot (laughs) And I'm paying for this, <laughs> so thank you. But yeah, start your own podcast uh, with Libsyn. They host. They've been super affordable. You wouldn't believe, like, we just use the, the $20 plan, and it gets us, like, all the stats we need. It gets more, what's the word, storage than we need for even these super long episodes. So yeah, Libsyn.com. Use the promo code HUGGING, and you can help us out that way as well. want to give a shout-out to everyone over on Patreon, uh, like Liam M., Michael Klatsky, Drybones, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, which I saw is coming back. Uh, oh, John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. Again, patreon.com slash nohugging. All of that being said, Season 8, Episode 5, Vow of Silence. Original air date, August 7th, 2011. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see a failed alibi has coastal consequences, and the Green's dog is denied a last meal, period, Larry confronts a buffet line transgressor. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Why do we need two sentences in this? I mean, I don't know if we'll need to do any. I think we could make it better, but, like, it covers everything. We can make it shorter, for sure. (laughs) I don't know why we need a complete sentence and then an additional extra thing about the buffet line transgressor. Yeah, as if that has... Anything to do with anything. Super, yeah, as if it has something super huge to do with the plot. Although, you could argue that it does. So we'll, we'll see if we can make it better when we get to the end. Uh, so we open the episode with Larry parking like an idiot because some other car took up two spaces. So instead of taking up the full-size open space right next to a car that parked normally, he decides to park next to the car that parked like an idiot and take up two spaces himself. Yeah. Why he I mean, does this, why, I have no idea. Why pass up an opportunity to be a victim? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, look the way I had to park. No, you didn't. There was one full open space. But instead, you parked like an idiot because this guy parked like an idiot. You you didn't have to do that. They could have they could have blocked this scene a little better to make it look like he was forced to park that way. But yeah, because Larry takes up there are yeah, three or, open or spots, even, and Larry takes two of them. Yeah, or even like I don't know, put some cones in the in the other spot. Or yeah, something. yeah, or a you motorcycle, know, fake, fake a construction wanna... scene or something. Yeah, yeah a motorcycle's good. <laughs> I don't. So Larry parks like an idiot, even though he didn't need to. Uh, he's parking for a going away party for Jeff and Susie that they are throwing for themselves, which he kind of pokes a little fun at. He's like, people throw you a going away party. You don't throw yourself a going away party. Uh, how, I, I think there was a little bit of truth to that statement. What do you think? Did you throw yourself a going away party in here? <laughs> um, no, we just, we just Did anyone... didn't. No, yeah, no, no, no one, one threw said, us a going guys, away party. You guys did the um, Irish goodbye from Erie. Kind of, kind hey, of. Hey, you want to hang out tonight? To, I'm in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do a, a going away party, but yeah. we hadn't done a housewarming party yet. So we were, <laughs> we, I had the idea of like, can we do a combo housewarming, house cooling party? <laughs> house cooling. I, I don't know. I The more that I think about it now, the more that I talk it out, I'm like, I, actually, I think you have to throw it yourself because you're like, look. We're busy, right? We're going to be here at this time. Mm-hmm. Come hang out with us. This is like and the last chance. Man, it's not an official party or anything, but... that That's... Uh, every time that we go back to Pennsylvania now, it's yeah. its that idea of, like, seeing people. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, you got to. It gets so frustrating of yeah. the idea of, like, well, you're going to come see me, right? I'm like, motherfucker... Ugh. We're traveling across no the country already. If you can't drive an hour, if you can't drive 30 minutes, then yeah. I, I'll be in this area. You can come see me. And I think that's why, like, you remember you were saying, you're like, hey, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh. And I told you, like, I will drive wherever you are. Yes. Because I am you, 30 Tim. minutes from everything. Yeah. But that's Tim. why I say that, because I deal with the same thing going back to Virginia. Yeah, Tim, I literally, I don't know if I've ever told you this before. You are a great friend. Like, for oh, wow. th- that, that exact attitude, you are a great friend, okay? Well, I appreciate, <laughs> that's why I do it. 
<laughs> it's very it's very Larry like. I also want to see you, but I also know that like because when we go home, like we don't even have time to do that. We're gonna be here thing because yeah. we have so little time at home <laughs> with two families. We're like we we can't even see any friends. Like yeah. we don't even have time to do the one the the HQ visit. By the way, you can't imagine how relieved I was to find out why Jeff and Susie are going to New York because the way spoiler alert the way the episode opens is on a plane to New York. And I'm like, oh, I guess the show's just not <laughs> going to explain this. And I watched the whole episode not knowing this information. Uh, and I was like, oh, I, I guess they're just going to New York. You know, they've there's been bigger plot points that they haven't explained. So I'm just going to go with the flow. And now I found out there's an actual reason. Um, you shouldn't... I should... I'm going to read my notes from watching them out of order and see how upset I was. Like, and Jeff and Susie do this for no reason that they're going to tell us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it says that like 12 times in my notes. Um, But yeah, the reason. So Jeff and Susie are going to New York because Sammy got into the Juilliard summer program. So they're going to live in New York City for three months while Sammy is there. And it is kind of funny how dickish Larry is about it. He's like, oh, don't they let everyone into that? And stuff like that. About God, how, damn, yeah. How talentless their daughter is. Because he, um, he still hung up on, like, how she's not good at singing. Yeah, was, was that last season at this point? I think so. Yeah, yeah it must have been, yeah. Yeah, because Cheryl was like kicking him out and stuff. Yeah, and she's singing in the in the in the restaurant and at the party. And uh, no, she didn't sing at the restaurant. The other guy did, but he just said he had to say he didn't like public singing. Um, yeah, so he's kind of surprised. Um, and uh, uh, Marty comes in and he had to take up two spaces because Larry took up two spaces. And he's like, "Why did you park like that?" He's like, "Well, that red Volvo, you know, was parked like that." And he was like, "There's no Volvo out there." So now Larry just looks like an idiot when he could have, you know, Funk would have had to park in two spaces or find another space. Um, or actually, by the time Funk got there, the Volvo would have been gone. So everyone could have parked normal if Larry only would have parked in that one open space, that full open space. And we meet Larry and Jeff and Susie's friend Vance, who took a vow of silence, which means he's mouthing all of his communication. It's okay to mouth. And Larry, I, uh, he's totally right here. He, so he took a vow of silence because his spiritual advisor told him to. And he's like, you're still communicating just in a less effective way. And I totally agree. Like, there's no way this is what the spiritual advisor meant by vow of silence. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, it's, it's so stupid. You're, you're still, you're still fucking talking. Yeah. It's just without the sound. Yeah. Within, in, a, in a less, in a less effective way, as Larry said. So he is totally right about all of this. And it, it makes him so frustrated to try to understand what he's trying to say. Rightly so. And so Larry and Jeff uh, remove themselves from the one-sided conversation with uh, Susie and Vance and go to find the buffet. And at the buffet, uh, Jeff's vet is holding up the line and he invited him because Oscar is kind of sick and they're like expecting test results back and stuff like that. So they just kind of want to get really close to the vet so they you know, can get all that info. And the vet, I have to mention, did you recognize him? Mm, no. I wrote down before I could think of his name, Pam's friend from art school, but it is Rich Summer, who was already probably pretty famous from appearing on Mad Men for the past, I don't know, oh four or five years okay. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, definitely a, a famous actor around this time from having a little part on that show. Very popular show uh, on AMC. So Larry calls out uh, a woman who starts what he calls a chat and cut. She comes up to a a, a distant acquaintance and starts chatting with him uh, and then picks up a plate as if she's going to cut the entire buffet line. And Larry's like, well, you know, you got the only he was like 99 times out of 100. That would have worked. The only problem is I'm in the line now and I'm going to have to ask you to, you know, step out. And even the acquaintance agrees. She's like, no, I'm talking to the guy. He's like, I mean, we met once like eight years ago. Or like, <laughs> like even he throws her under the bus. Uh, but hilariously enough, she does it again using Larry. Yeah. And she just goes behind him to continue arguing. And he even says, you, you just did it again. And she's yeah. like, I see you. Very good. <laughs> like, she knows. She fucking yeah. knows. But Larry's like, I- I'm not even going to call it out this time because I respect the skills. And it's at that point that she gives up the game. And she's like, 
thanks. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, game recognize game, I guess. You know, we're going to call it. And, and the people are behind her are upset, like visibly upset, but they're not going to do anything because they're not, you know, they won't make it Larry David levels of awkward by confronting someone in public. And I'd probably be in the same position. You know, I agree with Larry 99 times out of 100. But he's totally right. I mean, the chat and cut. I felt bad because I did it the other day. It's crazy. I just did this at, at our uh, elementary school picnic mm-hmm. the other day. And my daughter went in to go get in the pizza line and I went in to like talk to her and I was like, okay, so I guess everyone's probably going to eat now. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to stand here in the line with her. I was like, if anyone calls me out for cutting, I'll just give her the rest of the tickets and let her get all four pieces for us. But I, I literally had this exact same thing happen. Nobody called me out for it. So I guess I did a chat and cut with my own daughter and didn't even realize it uh, just a little bit earlier. So over at the Victorian, that's where we are currently. We just got an exterior shot uh, that let me know we're at 2640 Main Street in Santa Monica. The Victorian was established in 2010. And you can get, like, you know, kind of a nice meal there. You know, it's it's actually, for, for Santa Monica, like a block from the ocean, it's not badly priced. Like, the most expensive thing on the menu is, like, $30 charcuterie board, which mm. you're going to share with everybody. Like, yeah. so everyone chips in, you know, five or ten bucks and, and gets some delicious meats and, and crackers and cheese and stuff. The the smash burgers like twenty bucks, the pizzas twenty bucks, apps are like again eight to fifteen bucks, so it's it's relatively normally priced. And then from Thursday to Saturday night, it's three floors of DJs and dancing. Oh, that sounds which like I find, hell. I know. Oh. It sounds it sounds like some it sounds like every radio ad I heard for a club, like on every station. <laughs> three floors of DJs and dancing. We've got DJ Fuckstick on floor one. Yeah. We've got then, DJ Wet Spot on floor two. <laughs> and D- and floor three, you guessed it, DJ uh. They usually do try to separate it by, they're like, floor on the first floor is all the best from the 70s and 80s. And then the next floor <laughs> is all your country favorites. And then the top floor is, you know, all of today's best music or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if the Victorian does that, but it just seems like for such a, because it is like, this beautiful garden dining and then this like old house that's been repurposed and then to have like three floors of DJ and dancing. It just seems like it cheapens it uh, on some level. But hey, I guess it, you know, if it works for him. And that's where Jeff and Susie's party is. And Larry and Jeff are dining with, you know, they're eating their buffet plates with the vet and his wife. And Larry is grilling him about what animals he would save. I really like this <laughs> conversation with Larry, I like to think you know, I like to think a that the vet was kind of enjoying it, even though it looked like he wasn't. I like to ask people about their, you know, their profession sometimes if I have an interesting question about it because I, you know, everyone likes to, uh, you know, answer questions about themselves. And but Larry's questions are a little weird. Like, would you save a roach? Would you save a rat? If you if you had a rat in the house, would you want to save it or would you want to get rid of it? Or what if some moron has a rat for a pet? What's the difference between that and the rat in your house that you want killed? You know, he's asking these weird questions. And then when the vet gets up to leave and Jeff, too, Larry is left there with the vet's wife. And so he asks about uh, the salary. What what does a guy like that make? And the woman's like, all right, you, that, that's a little too personal. You know, why don't uh, you, how would you feel about it if I ask you personal questions like that? And like the audience, we know Larry. No question is too personal. Larry would answer any question about himself. And so the one the woman picks is, when's the last time you jacked off? And he says, this morning. Just without any hesitation. Yeah. And she leaves offended by her own question, by yeah, the way. Offended that Larry would answer the question that she asked. Yeah. You picked it. And then the fact you, that he, like, you that was the most offensive anything. part of it. And yeah, you could ask him how much he makes a year. You know, what do you make? What did you make on Seinfeld? Like, tell me the exact dollar amount, you know? Yeah, and um, this is at the time. I, I'm i trying to think of when uh, the rights to Seinfeld sold to Hulu. It was around oh, yeah. this time. So you could have asked, how much did you make on that Seinfeld deal for yeah. Hulu? And uh, Larry... What's your address? Yeah, and I'm sure Larry would have been, uh, you know, a little more uncomfortable to say. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, well, exactly. It was, a- it was actually... Uh, million or whatever the fuck it was. And that would have proved her point more than, you know, being offended by her own, by him answering her own question. Um, So she leaves and later Larry runs into Tesla, AKA Michael McKeon, who we've seen on an episode before. He is the inept director that Larry quote unquote recommended to Richard Lewis uh, from an earlier, uh, I think it was last season actually. 
Um, and he was warned that Tesla was there wanting to invite him to a benefit of some kind. And he asked Larry to do this fundraiser. It's a field day for uh, this organization that deals with, um, you know, challenged youth. And it's it's from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. I really liked I hope this was all improv. I like how unpleasant Michael McKeon made it sound. Like, the more details you learn about it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. and God. it's a field day and it's outside and we're we're outside all day. And it's just all of the... um, um And Larry tells him, you know what? I'm going to New York. Kind of stealing, like, Jeff's reason that he's not going to be around is kind of the first thing that pops into his mind. He's like, yeah, I'm going to New York, uh, so I'm not going to be able to make that. Sorry. And later, as Larry is driving to meet Jeff, this is like the next day, uh, Larry's driving to meet Jeff at the vet for lunch. He calls Richard Lewis and sets up a lunch for Friday. He asks him if he wants to join him and Jeff, but he can't, so let's meet at that place we both like on Friday. So over at Pasternak Veterinary Center, which we have also been to before, uh, the Korean Bookie, I think, is the episode where we were we were um, where they're getting Oscar checked out because they think they might have hit him with the car. I think is what's going on in that episode. Um, it's at twenty thirty eight Sepulveda Boulevard in West LA still, and Jeff and Larry uh, have the conversation that me and my wife have. Every Friday and Saturday night, <laughs> trying to decide where to eat. I was like, this is verbatim. It's like they have a tape recorder in my house and they just printed <laughs> this, the exact transcript of like, oh, I could go for anything. Oh, okay. How about uh, Mexican? Nah, not Mexican. All right. What about sushi? You know, it's light. Nah, I'm not really in the mood for, okay, well, you tell me what you want. I don't know. I could go for uh, whatever, whatever you feel like. Okay. Uh, I already mentioned two places. I guess we'll go for a third. Like, oh my gosh, it, I could... Um, I could identify with this situation. <laughs> um, and about, I've just started going, by the way, to like three different places because the kids want one thing, Sarah wants another, and I want something else. So luckily there's kind of like, you know, our favorite restaurants are kind of clustered in the same area. So I'm like, all right, I got no problem. Like door dashing for the family <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'll do a stacked order, no problem. And so we find out that uh, the prognosis for Oscar is not good. He has, what I found out was a real... Uh, disease leptospirosis yeah it's a lung disease tim you could uh you could almost say that his prognosis was negative yes ha. prognosis negative a seinfeld callback um i uh and and oscar's gonna have to be put down it's at this thought it's at this point ted that i that i you, you were in my thoughts for like having dealt with this pretty recently did it like hit home like did, was it difficult to watch or anything no, because I think no. it's because they didn't show Oscar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice that. <laughs> they, they did this whole thing. They didn't pay didn't to have the dog Oscar. on set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's what made it okay. <laughs> I was really wondering. I was like, God, I hate that Ted has to watch this. But, but yeah, there's, there's no dog ever seen, so that's good. <laughs> but it, it it is the perfect time at this point when we're when jeff is finding out what Susie already is dealing with that that their dog's gonna have to be put down the perfect time for larry to ask the vet if his wife mentioned larry at all after the party oh or God, in yeah. recent just kind of like just kind of fishing for whether or not she was actually offended enough to you know it's like did was she upset would she confide are you have the kind of relationship where she would confide something like that in you <laughs> <laughs> i loved his pointed questions but but no apparently uh, and he also does not drive a red Volvo. He drives a a black Lexus, which Larry is impressed with because obviously that means he makes a good amount of money. But uh, everyone knows it is not the time to talk about this. It's time to talk about Oscar. And and Susie's like, you know what? Oh, what about he needs a last meal? You know what? His last meal he would love is Pinkberry. He loves it so much. And so uh, Jeff and Larry head to Pinkberry which I noticed from the exterior shot is across from Fazio Cleaners. And so this Pinkberry, I was able to figure out, was at 11711 Gorham Avenue in Brentwood. It opened in the summer of 2007 and closed in 2016 for whatever reason. And Larry, it's outside there that Larry witnesses a guy taking up two spots. That guy happens to be Brett Gelman, by the way. Yes! Who I enjoyed seeing. <laughs> I think he's just, he's one of those guys that just, is hilarious so anything he says is going to be funny like like will ferrell i don't know if he's like that so much anymore but certainly when he was on snl he just had a way of talking that was just like anything this guy says is going to be funny he cannot be serious um i gotta see if brett gelman was famous in 
2011 because I, I also don't even really know what I know Brett Gelman from most of all like I know I know him but like from where um, like where originally or, or why now like why do I know Brett Gelman's name what is he in that that like right now really... yeah he's in Stranger Things now that I definitely remember him from that yeah, yeah. but I think I knew him Maybe that's why I know his name, but I definitely recognize him. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy He's, in Stranger Things. Stranger yeah. Things is definitely the reason like his popularity has gone up significantly over the last couple of years. But yeah. I don't know why I know him to begin with, though. Yeah, exactly. I wonder when Brad Gelman came on my radar. Yeah, because he he popped up in Stranger Things, and I was like, oh, that's Brad. That's Brad Gelman. Okay. And, and so, Grace is like, yeah. who? And now she <laughs> loves him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's just hilarious, and uh, so yeah, I wonder, I wonder where I knew him from. I'm sure it'll when I run through his filmography, I'll go, oh yeah, of course. But um, it was awesome to see him here, and he gets a little back and forth with Larry, which is awesome. And he held his own, uh, you know, doing during the little improv bit about you know parking like a moron. And um, I, I like Larry's line; it's very George like. Society can't function like this. Oh my god, <laughs> it's chaos. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good way to like. He finds a new way to say we live in a society like every week, um, and he's like. Why don't you just stay in the line in, in between the lines? And I love Gelman's response where he goes, "Why don't you stay within the lines of what does he say? Oh, minding your own business and not being an <laughs> asshole. You're not doing a very good job staying in between those lines. You're way over the line. In fact, I thought that was really funny. I was like, if he thought of that, that's brilliant. That's good. Like, yeah, yeah that <laughs> that is awesome. And Larry calls him a pig Parker. He's like, oh, I'm a pig. He's like a pig Parker. Yeah, you're a pig Parker. <laughs> uh, but as Gelman storms off. Uh, Larry spots Tesler, and he's supposed to be in New York, so he runs to tell Jeff. And when he tells Jeff, he is accused of the chat and cut by Cedric Yarborough from yes. Reno 911. <laughs> yes, I I always forget his name, but I yeah. I always remember him from Reno. Yeah, I had the uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Cedric Yarborough with Thomas Lennon, and I probably spent way too much time talking to Thomas Lennon because I knew him from the state and I was obsessed with the state and, and it was when it was when Reno 911 was probably on the air by 2011 right let me uh, see when it I don't know when it went off. there's been so many reboots it's like which one do you mean um let me see 2000 yeah oh my gosh 2003 to 2009 so it was so off it was already, already off the air by this, yeah, by this time yeah, and then Quibi in 2020, and then the Roku channel in 2022, and now those <laughs> Roku channel episodes are running on Comedy Central, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, are they so, really? Oh, yeah. man. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, he was already, you know, I don't know, established comic actor appearing on Curb at this point, uh, but it was cool to see him anyway. Um, and Jeff, uh, I mean, Larry says he is not doing a chat and cut. He really did have to tell him something, but he's kicked out of line. In fact, all the way out of the building. So he is spotted by Tesla and he comes up with a pretty brilliant. I mean, another very George like thing coming up with a brilliant lie. He's like, I just got back from New York this morning. Yeah. I, and I'm so bummed that, that I missed that event. And Tesla's like, well, great news for you. It got postponed. So it's going to be, I don't know, in like six to eight weeks from now or something like that. And Larry's like, oh, you know what? I got to go back to New York. Uh, yeah. And, and Tess was like, oh, how long are you going to be there? He's like, yeah, I'm, I got to go back to New York for how long did you say? Six to eight weeks. He asked him again for like details about the lie. This was honestly <laughs> so fucking frustrating to watch. You didn't like that Tesla didn't call him out on, on it? Like, I, I, I just like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I didn't like it, but I find it so hard to believe that yeah. anyone could be so obtuse to not realize what Larry is doing here, and that's Tesla. I think Tesla knows. Here's what I think: that Tesla knows, or at least he knows, and he's not doing anything about it. He's not doing anything about it. But I, I what Tesla's hope is in my mind is that he's letting on enough that he realizes enough to make Larry know that he knows, so that Larry still feels like a bad guy. Because if he called him out on it, Larry wouldn't feel like a bad guy. But if Larry thinks Tesla thinks he's a bad guy, that's a problem for Larry. That's why he keeps lying. So I hope I, that's in my mind what Tesla's doing here, that he's playing Larry's game by going like, oh, uh, wow, uh, what, you got to go back. That's uh, unbelievable. But I guess, it, you know, letting on enough that that he suspects something and uh, not even suspect something isn't even enough that he knows Larry is lying, which is why Larry, I think, takes it to the extreme that he does. But but I don't know. That's just what I think in my head. The, the Tesla seems a little more with it than that. But 
but Larry does like this part of the light too. Yeah, in fact, I'm working on a new show with Jerry. That's why I got to go back to New York. That's why I'm going to be there for so long. Uh, but you know, don't say anything about it because it's really secret. And don't say anything to Jerry. In fact, he'll probably deny it if you ask him. I always love that part of that part of a lie that's thrown in. You know what? If you ask him about it, he'll say no. Don't even ask him about it. He'll deny it. Uh, so Larry has gotten out of it uh, supposedly again for a second time. So driving. Larry and Jeff had to skip their lunch. They were both starving. They were going to have lunch after the vet, but Susie made them go to Pinkberry first, and so they're both starving. And Larry's like, let me just take a bite of this Pinkberry. And so Jeff's like, fine. You can take a bite. I'll take a bite. And then Larry's like, oh, my gosh, your bite was gigantic. I'm going to take another bite to even it out because my two bites will be the same size as your one bite. But Jeff is like, no, no, no. You took two bites. I'm taking two bites. So they have this (laughs) back and forth until the entire thing is gone. Uh, but in the meantime, they run into Vance, who uh, sees the Pinkberry. They sort of like give him the brush off. Again, Larry's like, I, I, I can't do this. All right, we'll see you later. Um, I can't talk about the Pinkberry, but but Vance does see them with the Pinkberry. And so back at the vet, they trash the Pinkberry evidence in the v- trash can outside of the vet and tell Susie that Pinkberry was closed for a Korean holiday. <laughs> and so all of them are closed. And so... Uh, Larry is also forced to take Susie's snotty Kleenex and throw it into the trash can outside so that she doesn't see the Pinkberry evidence. Uh, By the way, I I looked, I don't know why, I guess it was because they were in such a hurry to get this over with and get to lunch, but the, I, I put the Pinkberry location and the vet into the direction, into Google directions, and it's only seven minutes away. It's a seven minute drive between Pasternak Veterinary (laughs) Hospital and this actual Pinkberry location. So why they didn't turn around before they got to the vet, because they couldn't have been more than, it wouldn't have added more than 14 minutes. If they were like, oh, damn it, we finished it. We're still let's Let's go back and let's get more Pinkberry. Yeah, we're only five minutes away from Pinkberry. Also, (laughs) why didn't they get themselves Pinkberry? Like, God, it's not lunch, but it's something. Let's get something here at Pinkberry before we go back. And we'll eat it in the car. I mean, why did they do this to themselves? You know, I guess there wouldn't have been a show without it, but they could have (laughs) they could have saved themselves such a big headache if they just just a got themselves Pinkberry while they were in line or b driven five minutes back and then the seven minutes to the vet. So over at Amici in Brentwood, which is at twenty five thirty eight San Vicente Boulevard, um, a little more expensive here than the Victorian. You know, pasta is going to run you like 20 or 25 bucks. If you want protein, you're more in like the 35 to 50 neighborhood uh, for like, you know, fish, chicken, steak, stuff like that. And Larry is sitting there waiting for Richard Lewis. 20 minutes gives him a call. Uh, hey, I'm here. Uh, we're I'm here at that place for lunch. I don't know where you are, but uh, he's very upset. So over at Jeff and Susie's, there's a memorial for Oscar and Richard Lewis is there. And Larry confronts him immediately. He's like, hey, what happened to lunch? And he's like, you didn't confirm. I need a confirmation. We, he's like, the plan is calling you making the plans. That's the confirmation. He's like, no, no, you got to you gotta call and confirm that that we're actually doing that beforehand. He's like, all right, tell you what, let's go do lunch Sunday, same time and place. And Richard's like, I need confirmation. And Larry's like, no, this is the plan. There's going to be no confirmation. You better be there. You better show up. Um, and he assures Richard Lewis because he's like, well, you better show up. He assures him he is going to be there. Uh, and then Vance and Susie are talking about Larry, uh, about Oscar, sorry, and the last meal and Pinkberry and all that. And she's telling her, uh, telling him about it. And then Vance has a little flashback. I loved the way this flashback was filmed in slow motion with Larry going like, Pinkberry. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the mm sends it. Because I don't even remember him doing that in the original scene. He didn't. This was extra. This was a different cut. So I love that it literally is the way Vance remembers it. (laughs) And the fact that it's a deep voice and he's eating and has his mouth full of pink berry and like it makes him sound even fatter and like "Mm, yummy, you know, like that kind of thing. It was just so hilarious. So Vance remembers, and he tries to tell Susie, I saw them with Pinkberry. Wait, I saw Jeff and Larry with Pinkberry. And, and Jeff and Larry run interference in the most brilliant way. They're like, what, a helicopter? You were in a helicopter? Why are you talking about that right now? And he's trying to mouth to Susie and, and blow their cover. But 
it doesn't work in in the most brilliant way that that Jeff and Larry are able to you know run interference on that. But Larry then <laughs> threatens Vance. He's like, "Oh, you saw us with the Pinkberry, huh? You're gonna tell Susie? Well, if you do that, you know, tattle be, telling on someone being a tattletale has kind of a negative karmic value. So I will tell your spiritual advisor about that. And uh, and you can see Vance. I gotta say, they hired a guy who can mouth words exceptionally well. Like, I was able to understand what he was saying. And I don't think I'm any good at reading lips, but I was able to understand what he was saying very well. Do you feel the same? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I, part of it comes into, I mean, he's he's still talking. He's saying yeah, the word. Exactly. It's just very quiet. And also, yeah, I mean, and- I... I, I watched these episodes with the with the subtitles on, so it definitely helps that too. Did, were they subtitling Vance's yes. lip reading, or did it yes, say like, "Oh, were. that kind of oh, that's upsetting"? <laughs> I wish it, I wish it was like you know, I would, there was nothing because there's no sound. So <laughs> why do you need to? Why do you need closed captioning, which is for people who are hard of hearing and are probably better at reading lips? I'm stereotyping <laughs> here, I guess, but why do they need closed captioning for the guy who is mouthing words? I don't know. <laughs> why do all that work, closed captioner? But one thing I was able to see that Vance said, who, by the way, I recognize this actor, too. Maybe I'll, I'll mention who that is, um, you know, next week. But you, leave, leave him out of this. And Larry goes, oh, you want me to leave him out of it? Then, I, then keep your mouth shut. You know, don't say anything to Susie about this. So over in Larry's office, Tesla shows up. And it's because Vance mentioned that Larry is still in town. And good news, the event got moved up to Friday. So you'll be able to you know, be at this event with all these great kids. And, and he adds more details each time. Like, <laughs> oh, there's there's a great nap in the middle of the day where we all nap together and it's very pastoral. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's so hilarious, all the details. We get about this, like, you know, 14-hour-long event, whatever it is. Um, but Larry, but Larry's like, you know, I'm, I got to go right back to uh, New York, um, yeah, you know. And Tesla's like, where are you staying there? Uh, the Hotel uh, Crandall. <laughs> he makes up a name <laughs> And Tesla, again, I think this is why Tesla knows, or at least he's going to force Larry to do something he doesn't want to do. Like, this, I think, is a, is a good tell. Is Tesla tipping his cards a little bit? He's like, well, you know what? You know, the director, Rennie Harlan, uh, I was going to stay at his place because I was going to be doing this thing in New York, and he offered it to me, um, his apartment. But, you know what? I'm not going to use it. He's not going to be there. Let me give him a call because you are going to New York, right? Like, this is where he's literally calling Larry's bluff. <laughs> and maybe when what happens happens tesla will go wow well i guess he wasn't bluffing and that and then larry will win but in this case he knows enough that he's lying that he is literally calling his bluff he's like because you are going to new york right okay i'll call this famous director and you can use his apartment for three months three months is that that's what you said right you're gonna go he's gonna force larry to go to new york for three months and stay in this famous director's apartment um it just, you know, they're, they're playing, you know, a very high stakes game of lying. And Larry's like, yeah, definitely. Please do make that call. Uh, so over at Davino, which uh, is at 11714 Barrington Court in Brentwood um, here. Again, I, I was in a menu looking up mood for some reason with all these restaurants. You know, again, pos- a little more expensive. We're getting uh, increasingly more expensive in our restaurant choice because here pasta is going to be more like 35 bucks. So like $10 more than the pasta you'd get at Amici. Uh, you want a risotto? Like talk about $39, $40. Your proteins, $40 to $50. So yeah, a little bit more uh, pricier even. And interestingly enough, there used to be a separate Pinkberry in this location as well. Not the one on Gorham Avenue, but but there was another Pinkberry. And, and it's funny that Susie mentions it uh, for dessert because there was one right around the corner. Jeff and Susie are there for dinner with Vance and... You know, it's going to be the last time they see Vance because they're going to New York. And, and they're like, wow, we're not going to talk to you for a while because well, we can't call him. <laughs> I thought that was a funny little, <laughs> just, a little, just a, like a throwaway joke in there that I liked. Um, and Larry calls Jeff and, you know, Jeff's like, oh, yeah, we just got done with dinner, but we're going to dessert. And Larry's like, oh, I'll be right there. By the way, this is all uh, kind of in the same area because Larry was driving past Odyssey. I don't know what that business is, but it's right across from Pasternak Veterinary Center, uh, interestingly enough. So they kind of like set up shop in this neighborhood for, for filming this whole episode. But Larry spots the red Volvo and he writes a note on the red Volvo, you know, talking about what a moron Parker this this red this red Volvo is, which I don't even know if it was was it parked in two spots in this instance or did he think it was like the only red volvo in los angeles i it i think if i'm remembering correctly it was parked uh just over the line in this instance as well i would 
I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Like, but I didn't write it. Down. I don't know. I don't know how many red Volvos there are going to be in LA, but like yeah. it's probably more than one. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it happens to belong to Vance, who comes out of the store. And as Larry is walking off, he mouths "Hey!" He mouths as as if he's yelling "Hey!" <laughs> Which, of course, someone who has their back to you has no you're idea. You're not gonna fucking that know. You're doing that. So, <laughs> again, kind of a stupid throwaway joke, but one that made me kind of angry. Hey, hey, like mouthing it. So Susie su- suggests uh, Pinkberry, like I said, for dessert. Uh, that Pinkberry that was in that shopping center, by the way, it did close in 2009. So there wasn't one right around the corner. I did find that out. And I like that Jeff and Larry feign disinterest in Pinkberry. Like, oh, no, you know, I'm not even, I don't really like it. And even to Jeff, she's like, well, I used to love Pinkberry. Yeah, not so much lately. <laughs> <laughs> They're like erasing any doubt in her mind that, that this story might be true. Uh, that she might hear later. Um, and as they're feigning disinterest in Pinkberry and trying to decide where to go for dessert, Vance shouts from across the parking lot and tattles on Larry and Jeff. Hey, Susie, Larry and Jeff did get Pinkberry and they ate it all themselves, uh, whatever he says. And Susie gets so upset. She's like, oh, my gosh, I, I am so glad. Oh, you two make me sick. I am so glad we're going to New York City. I'm not going to see you for three months. And then Larry goes, well, <laughs> and cut to LAX when Frolic starts to play. And we see Jeff and Susie and Larry on an airplane. And Larry is enjoying uh, his Pinkberry yogurt that he has gotten for the airplane. <laughs> but that's not the end of the episode because we cut to Richard Lewis alone <laughs> in Amici because Larry David had to go to New York City to keep up the lie to not spend you know, it's it's he traded three months in New York City. I I think he probably could have ducked out showing up to this event for like 30 minutes, maybe, I think would like and, and then just ducked out. And then when Tesser calls him on it later, go, hey, I showed up. I glad handed. I, I left. I'm not going to you know, I'm not actually volunteering for the whole thing. You know, <laughs> um, he could have even lied and said, like, oh, yeah, I was there for like two or three hours. I guess uh, I guess I didn't see. It. I guess I was over at some other part of the field day. Uh, you know, it was a big yeah, field. I didn't exactly. see it. Um, but no, he's instead going to spend three months in New York. Um, <laughs> and I also recognized the guy that the woman talks to in the buffet line, Brian Brian Haskey, I think is what I wrote here. I can't read my own handwriting. But did you recognize him too? Because he's another like famous comic actor who's in a ton of stuff. I recognize him, I think, mostly from Children's Hospital. He was in that. Um, mm, no, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really notice him. I know you watched Children's Hospital a lot more than I did. Yeah, it it was absolutely hilarious. I don't even know where it's streaming now, but if you can catch it, definitely watch it. And if you can't watch that, watch Medical Police, which was kind of like a spin-off <laughs> with Rob Hubel on Netflix, which has a lot of the same characters in it and was I mean just dropped. I want to watch it again. It was so funny. It's almost like a modern day Naked Gun. Um I Rob Hubel's recently he came across some like promo clips of it that he was like randomly posting on his uh Instagram, which is weird because I know he's in SAG and that seems like promoting a it's not promoting anything new. You know what? It's not promoting anything new. It's promoting something that was filmed under, uh, you know, SAG after guidelines, you know, within the contract. So maybe that's why it was okay. But he was posting a bunch of old promos for it. And I was like, God, this was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, but I definitely recognize him. Maybe we'll, we'll do a little dive on him as well. Okay. Uh, so what do we got for homework this week? Brett Gelman. Was he a big star already by 2011? And Brian Haskey, what else uh, w- maybe we recognize him from? Uh, I also think, by the way, that the cut to Richard Lewis in the restaurant would have been much better as a <laughs> post-credit sequence. Yeah. It would have been yeah. so funny because I would have forgotten all about it, and then all of a sudden that pops up. I know Curb has only done that like once or twice. The other time when we think it would have worked very well was when Jeff shows up and is like, you got to tell Susie I was in a car accident because he has a neck brace on. <laughs> um, that would have been a hilarious post-credit joke, and then this one would have been an absolute – because it would have made it seem like he was waiting – even longer he was waiting through the credits oh my god i know you know yeah how, how long so... exactly in real time was he there <laughs> yeah uh but but we got what we got because curb doesn't really do that it was still it was still a hilarious tag on the show uh what do you like for cover art this week hmm. why don't i ever think of this again that's only happened once or twice where i've been like ted i already know man what is this episode about I mean, oh, I mean, do we have to? It, it has to be Jeff and Larry in, in the car with Pinkberry. That, I, th- I think it's got to be that. I think it's got to be like Larry, like mouthing Pinkberry. Mm. Yeah, if you can get him doing the mm, 
great. <laughs> All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. So, All right. So we had a failed alibi has coastal consequences, and the Green's dog is denied a last meal. Period. Larry confronts a buffet line transgressor. Pe- period. I guess. I mean, I like uh, an alibi has coastal consequences. Yeah. And the Green's dog is denied a last meal. Like, that's not bad. Do we need Larry confronts a buffet line transgressor, though? No. And the only... I like... And this this will come into my rating for the episode. But I like the that Larry is accused of doing what he did to somebody else uh, later in the episode. But the reason that has consequences is he's kicked out of the building. And that's when he runs into Tesla and must continue the alibi. Yeah. But... It, but that doesn't have anything to do with him calling out the buffet transgressor. <laughs> um, that just sets up the thing later. So let's just yeah, let's just get rid of that and keep the first part. I mean, I, that's I, I feel like I'm copping out, but the first part's not bad. Yeah, yeah, I I, I like that. I think that's a good call. Yeah. You know, just to, I never would have thought of just use a failed alibi has coastal consequences, and the Green's dog is not is denied a last meal. Boom. Yeah, and I never would have thought of coastal consequences, but I love it. Yeah. I, Sounds I, like a Death Cab album. Coastal Consequences. <laughs> Little, maybe? Or, I'm honestly, just, uh, yeah, the, the Death Cab album would be Failed Alibis and Coastal Consequences. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Failed Alibis and Coastal Consequences. Uh, I kind of screwed up the... Ben would do so much better. You, you had I think a, that was actually you, you had it, and then the is yeah. at the end threw, I was off, like, threw off the whole. <laughs> I was like it's too many syllables. Yeah. I think that was information travels faster too. I, I ripped <laughs> off a, a death cab song already. Information. All right. Oh my god. All right, Tim. Did you like this episode? Uh, this episode was one of the easiest stars I ever gave. I think it's in my top three of all time. Wow. I think. I know. Oh my I'm god. Like, I enjoyed it that much. It's exactly the kind of episode of Curb I like because I mentioned that circular, everything comes back around. Like, Larry is right in a couple instances, and then by the end, he is hoisted by his own petard, you know, and gets his comeuppance. And there are certain episodes where the episode ends and Larry's on top. I think the better episodes, and I mentioned this at the end of season seven, where, where I had, like, kind of a tie for mm-hmm. third place, where I was like, you, do you like when Larry ends up on top or when he when he's, you know... When he gets served at the end, and I think the ones where he gets served are better because he's on top the whole episode. He's getting away with it, and then <laughs> then he doesn't at the very end. And Susie's upset because she's going to have to put up with Larry. She thought she was going to have a Larry-free summer, but it's not going to be the case. And it, it ends in such a – like a guy breaks his vow of silence, which he wasn't doing a good job at anyway, uh, to to serve Larry. And and the, the buffet cut and chat at the beginning came back at the end, and Larry had to lie some more. It's just – it's – it, it hits all of the perfect curb notes for me. So, like, literally, it's right behind Palestinian Chicken as far as, like, the greatest of all time in my wow. mind. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's it's that. I enjoyed it that much. And I was, like, cracking up. through. The, it's funny. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. What about you? So, I, uh, I can't give it third best of all time. Yeah. But what I can do is third best of the season and i'm gonna give it a star low and it's gonna be behind palestinian chicken and the safe house for me wow yeah it it was just so in my wheelhouse like it it, and i was like and i was upset you know i wasn't in a good mindset i was like i can't believe like i fucked up our record (laughs) the wrong episode i watched the wrong episode now i gotta watch this episode on a day when i don't when i don't normally watch you know like ruin the routine and everything and like yeah it just it just blew me away. It was great. <laughs> so, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess a little housekeeping here. Are you going to re-watch the next episode before we record again? Yeah, I definitely have to. Okay. And, and I'm going to do it the way that I... The last time I just straight up watched it, didn't even have my notebook in front of me, just ran for 30 minutes, and I, I hardly ever get to do that. So I'm hoping <laughs> that it holds up. Um, you know, not to give too much away, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that like Palestinian chicken wasn't diminished by the second viewing previous episodes have been. We'll see where this one lands. That's all I'll say. I didn't write next episode information. Well, I could tell you everything about it if you want right now. <laughs> well, here, let me, let me just pull it up since we've, uh, no, what's, what's it called? Out of order. The hero. It's called the hero. 
No, not the herp. That's different. <laughs> Larry gets to the herp. <laughs> it opens on the exact same plane that we end on, by the way. Does Again, not really? to spoil too much. But while yes. you're looking, and I'm like, I'm like, they're going to New York. I was like, all right, I guess we'll find out why. All right, they're uh, they have an apartment in New York. All right, I guess we'll find <laughs> out why. <laughs> I was uh, so... Okay. All right. Well, next week, we have got Season 8, Episode 6, The Hero, original air date, August 14th, 2011. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry plays the hero in the sky and underground, semicolon, Jeff's courtship of Ricky Gervais. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> is sabotaged by a nosy waiter. Do we 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 have to deal with a Ricky Gervais episode? Uh, I'm afraid so. He uh, does appear on the Oscar. <laughs> all right. I know. I'll watch but it, but I'm not like, going to like it. This was I know and it's like Ricky Gervais has like soured his own legacy because this was like peak Ricky Gervais probably for me. I was like, "Oh my god, there's no one funnier right now on earth." Like this was probably the peak of his you know, doing his podcast, maybe even after that. Um, yeah, I mean, but I was for just, sure into it by this. All point. of the hey, did you guys know I'm an atheist stuff? I'm like, yeah, we get oh, it. Oh yeah, like, no one fucking cares. Yes, yeah. yeah, we get it, and it's just as annoying as people who go, hey, did you know I'm Christian? Have you heard about the? Have you heard the good news? I have to tell you about. It. I have to convert everybody. It's just, it's as, just annoying. as annoying. It's just as annoying when you try to convert everybody to atheism. You're doing the exact same thing that you're railing against. So yeah, it's it's all of that. <laughs> you're right, but but he really dug into that. In the past 10 years. So 2011, Ricky Gervais, just, I don't know, try to put yourself in that mindset, Ted. That's all, all I'll right. say. <laughs> I honestly, I don't think I ever liked Ricky Gervais. Oh, man. I was like, <laughs> I was all about I couldn't get enough. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how Ted uh, fares with a, with a Ricky episode. And is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, still got almost an hour and a half in. Ooh, all right. For the hard out. And we episode. still had a lot of bullshit. <laughs> we did. For no hugging, no learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.